Welcome back to the G3 Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Bice, and this has been a very historic week in the history of our nation. As we just watched the 45th president of the United States of America, President Donald Trump, leave office, and yet he refused to attend the inauguration of the 46th president. And yet we've watched now the change of the administration, one president to another, and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have both taken the office and given their oath of office as well. And as we think about all of the the history of our nation and the traditions, and we think about the change of power, a lot to consider when we think about as this new administration comes to power, as they begin to now lead the United States of America, we must be aware of the fact that their ideas, the things that were actually told to us on paper, and many of the things that have not been yet unveiled to us behind the scenes, the, the, the policies and the procedures that they ran on as far as their campaign is concerned, all of those things will now be brought into the life of our nation. Now, of course, we, we recognize that there's a balance of power, but yet that balance is not very clear at this point. When you consider the fact that the deciding vote of the Senate is now Kamala Harris. We must be reminded of the reality that there are some really big things that are coming toward us at rapid speed in in the life of our nation. And what I mean by that and what I'm really most concerned about is what does that mean for the Christian that lives in America? What about the freedoms that we've enjoyed as believers? What about the local church? What about nonprofit 501c3 parachurch ministries like G3 Ministries. Well, as we gaze forward and as we think about these these upcoming policies and eventual laws that will be passed, we must be mindful that it's going to have a dramatic impact upon us. And so today I want to talk about the subject of the Equality Act. And I want to talk about the Equality Act that's looming on the horizon and what that means for the Christian in America, the Christian family, what does that mean for the local church, and how will this act, how will this this form of legislation actually impact us? But before we do, I want to just mention to everyone who's listening uh, that we will be having our upcoming G3 National Conference in the fall. We're very excited about the theme of Christ and having the opportunity to gather and to unpack through the preaching and the teaching and the singing of the gospel over a period of three days. What a wonderful opportunity for us. And so we're thrilled and we hope that you can join us. That's going to be this upcoming September the 30th through October the 2nd. That's the Thursday through Saturday, typical form of our G3 National Conference. On the 29th of September, that Wednesday, if you're making your travel reservations and plans, you'll want to arrive so that you can take part in the pre-conference. Now, we've yet to unveil that pre-conference, but that's coming very soon. We're still talking about some things and making some final plans, and we'll be bringing that to your attention very soon. But if you've been around G3 for any length of time, you will remember that we typically have a pre-conference on Wednesday, and then, of course, the Thursday, Friday, half-day, Saturday format. 
We'll be also releasing the full schedule of all of the speakers coming up very soon as well. And you can find out all of this information at our website. That's g3men.org. That's g3men.org. You'll be able to see all of the speakers and you'll be able to see uh, the, the dates. And then, of course, you'll be able to register for the conference. There's also at the bottom of the registration page, you will find a list of recommended hotel properties. And so we encourage you to make your reservations very soon. Let me just mention that we will be if you've been with us for any length of time, this is a brand new year for us. Obviously, now with the transition from a January calendar date to a fall calendar date, but that's a good thing when we think about the reality that we're going to be able to enjoy really nice fall Atlanta weather. And we also have a new venue, and that's going to be the Georgia World Congress Center, which is right next to the Mercedes Stadium in the heart of the city of Atlanta right next to Centennial Park. Literally, you will come up the escalator out of the conference and you'll go outside and walk about one block and you are in the heart of Centennial Park. Surrounding the park will be various amenities and restaurants and it'll be a wonderful opportunity for you to bring your family. We have a growing number of families who come to the G3 and so it's just going to be a wonderful year. We're looking forward to hosting you, looking forward to seeing you and being able to enjoy that time of Christian fellowship and worship at the G3 National Conference on the Doctrine of Christ. So a couple of quick announcements for you. Uh, We will be uh, able to gather and be able to engage in, in, in opportunities of Christian fellowship. We'll be able to walk the exhibit hall and be able to uh, take part in, in learning about other organizations and Uh, schools, and you'll be able to see all of these different partners that will be there with us in the exhibit hall. But a couple of announcements that we wanted to bring to your attention is that Devin Coughlin and his band will be back with us again, helping lead us as we sing the gospel. And also Bob Coughlin, uh, Devin's father, will be with us again and looking forward to having him rotate in. He'll be actually playing the piano and leading from the piano Um, with the band on occasion, and then we're going to have specific sessions where it will just be Bob Coughlin leading from the piano. So we're looking forward to that. Um, If if we're not restricted with any any COVID situations, then we're we're praying and and hopeful that we'll be hitting right around the 6,000 mark at the conference this year. So very grateful for that. Um, We will also have David Miller. My friend David Miller will be back with us this year. Uh, Many of you know David suffers from muscular atrophy, but God has blessed him with a strong memory uh, and ability to memorize his outline and, of course, the text of Scripture that he would be preaching. And God has used him in a wonderful way through the years as a vocational evangelist and just a privilege to have him back with us again this year. And also James White, looking forward to having him back with us again to preach on the doctrine of Christ. And so you're going to want to make your reservations and you're going to want to make your uh, plans to join us this coming September 29th, 30th, and then the 1st and 2nd of October. So it's going to be a wonderful time. We hope to see you there. What is this Equality Act? the Equality Act. It's known as H.R. 5 or the Equality Act. 
And it's basically a body of legislation that would prohibit the discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. And yet, it will also do something extremely important, something that we need not overlook. It will actually codify and bring into the fabric of our nation the idea that the LGBTQA plus community is a protected class of people within our society. Now, what that means is, is that they will not be able to be discriminated on the basis of areas of public accommodation, employment, housing, or education. And this Equality Act, it will actually amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And so, as we hear that, we need to be asking ourselves, what does that mean? Well, one of the things we need to remember is, is that this specific, this specific act has a goal to divide us. Regardless of what you hear in the title, regardless of the language that you hear regarding civil rights, when you hear the language of class, that this is going to serve to protect a class of people. This is classic Marxist language. It is that breaking up a body of people into various different groups and classes within a society. And the goal is never unity. It is always division. And so the Equality Act is not about bringing equality and protecting people who have been oppressed. The Equality Act is about continuing this ongoing social justice agenda. That's what it's, that's what it's about. Think about it. Just a few months ago when we had the major cities in, 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 our, in our nation that were burning, that were being rioted and all sorts of lawlessness was abounding in, in, in major metropolitan cities, People were marching in the streets with their fists raised high in the air, and they were chanting things about justice, and then they were making statements about, quote-unquote, systemic injustice. Now, when we hear the, the language systemic injustice, oftentimes you have you know, this idea of a system that has brought about unjust law or unjust policy and oppressed individuals. Certainly we can look back on this nation and we can see that that was the case in years past. But we're certainly not living in that day now. But in order to continue the social justice agenda, we have to continue to come up with a victim. And we have to continue to raise this idea of victimology before people and then teach them that they've been oppressed and held down and and prevented from from flourishing and, and all of this language. Systemic injustice. Systemic injustice. And so we need to be thinking about what that, what that language means and how that vocabulary will be used as we move forward. As we consider the Equality Act, it's, it's a specific bill that has been held up in previous months, but is looming on the horizon now with the results of this last election and the new administration coming to power it is absolutely just a matter of time before it's voted into law. And so we need to be prepared for what that looks like. So how exactly will this Equality Act 
impact Christians. Okay, the Equality Act is postured; it's it's presented in a nice little package that states that it is for the the protection of people, a certain group of people, a class of people, the LGBTQA plus people, that will prevent them from being discriminated against on the basis of their uh, gender identity and sexual orientation. Extremely important language there. So how will this impact Christians? Well, it's going to impact Christians in, in a couple of different ways. Specifically, this specific act, when it's voted into law and it's signed into law, it will have a transformation impact upon public education. Now, keep in mind, public education has has been in a very bad place for a very long time. So that's nothing new for the church. That's nothing new for Christians. We we know that. But it's only going to get worse at this point. Public education placed in the hands of the government will never end well. Caesar will never bow to Jesus until Christ returns. So as as public education becomes more inclusive, it will only by necessity exclude Jesus and his teachings from the classroom more and more. Now, yes, of course, Jesus has been barred from and he's been banned from the public education arena for a very long time now. But the Equality Act will further this agenda with advanced legislation. And this advanced legislation will have a, a, a shaping effect on our society. Because see, presently, you have this, this open embrace and this open acceptance of the LGBTQA plus community in our nation. And they have been given marital rights and equal rights under certain types of frameworks within certain states. And, and we, we know that to be the case. But the Equality Act, from a, from a federal standpoint, will cause the public educational arena to reflect that language. So it will only serve to normalize homosexuality and transgenderism and every other mutilated form of human sexuality that falls under sexual orientation categories as normative as human sexuality and family and and relationships are being taught in the public education classroom. Textbooks will reflect this language. It is coming down the pike as far as the public education arena is concerned. This is a transformation that will occur as the Equality Act is signed into law. Now, when we start talking like this, we need to remember that we as Christians believe that all people are created in the image and likeness of God. It doesn't mean that if we as Christians oppose the choices of individuals to mutilate their flesh and to try to transform their gender into another gender, if a man tries to pretend that he's a woman, that doesn't mean that we don't recognize the fact that they uh, should be treated with dignity and respect as a fellow human being. All people are created in the image and likeness of God, and they must be respected as a fellow human being. But Christians are not to be pressed to love neighbor as self to the point that they would deny Jesus as Lord. 
That's something that we need to remember. We need to be consistent as Christians. And the Bible teaches us in Genesis 1.27 that God created man in his own image. In the likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God did this. This is God's design. But then when we come throughout the Old Testament to the Shema and to Jesus' teaching on that very subject, in Mark chapter 12, we see that Jesus said, We are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And then he goes on to the very next verse, and he talks about the fact that there's a second command, which is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what does it mean to love your neighbor? Well, some would suggest that means that you are to be accepting and you are to be affirming, but that's not what love is. You see, a Christian can recognize the dignity and the value of every human being, regardless of whether or not they're like us or not. If they are a part of the LGBTQA plus community, and yet we stand in direct opposition to their choices, we can still say they're a fellow human being. But to love them doesn't mean to be silent on matters of the gospel. To love them is to actually tell them the truth. The most unloving thing that we could do is to remain silent. And yet that's the form of Christianity that is being twisted in our public sphere and is becoming more palatable and more acceptable to our American society. It's a spineless Christianity. It's a Christianity that is silent on the judgment of God and is silent on the gospel of God. And we must be clear. We must preach the good news. So when we think about the transforming effect that this will have on on Christians, specifically the transformation of education, we need to remember that this idea of teaching the the normative approach to homosexuality and transgenderism and the the, the normative aspect of sexual orientation that is fluid rather than established biologically as God has established it. We, we've known for a long time that this was, that, that, that this was coming through the, the public education streams. But the Equality Act will codify this. It will actually establish this as U.S. law that must be followed. Years ago, it was uh, Vody Bauckham who, in his book, The Family-Driven Faith, he, he made a very controversial statement. And the statement was this, quote, We cannot continue to send our children to Caesar for their education and be surprised when they come home as Romans, end quote. Now, regardless of where you stand on the debate of public versus home education, the day is quickly approaching. Fellow Christian, listen, the day is quickly approaching when there will be no space remaining in America where Christians are free to work or engage in public education without denying their faith. And the Equality Act will only serve as a catalyst to bring that to pass. And so we need to be ready for what that looks like. What else will this Equality Act do for the Christian community? Well, it will restrict private religion. It will restrict and even punish those who embrace the very teachings of Christianity. 
this specific Equality Act comes with this language of equality and with this language of civil rights. And it's very appealing to the sympathy of people who would say, well, we should never want anyone to be discriminated against. We should never want anyone to be discriminated against on the basis of fill in the blank. Well, certainly we don't, as Christians, support the discrimination of people and the abuse of people and the, uh, the oppression of people, but we do believe in preaching the truth of God's Word to people. And that's not discrimination according to God's Word. That is speaking the truth. And so this, this idea of, of sympathy, and when you have a vast amount of people who are walking through the streets and they're, they're marching in the streets under the language of systemic injustice, systemic injustice, now suddenly this Equality Act is presented under the framework of legislation that would prevent a certain class of people from being oppressed under systemic injustice. And a vast amount of people are, are, are finding themselves wrapped up in the, the wave of sympathy to embrace that. But what we need to remember as Christians is that we can't be swept up in the controversy of sympathy. We need to stand firm on what the Word of God actually says. That's the key. So we shouldn't be surprised when we have this type of legislation that's coming our way, considering the, the representatives and others who are leading us in our nation. But what restrictions upon our religion can we anticipate once this is signed into law? Well, think about it from a from a local church ministry standpoint. What if you have a women's shelter and you now have a man who's pretending to be a woman who wants to have access and be accepted into this women's shelter and you turn him down on the basis of his quote-unquote sexual orientation. So now a church could be the recipient of punishment as a result of discriminating against a man on the basis of his, quote-unquote, sexual orientation, and you refused to serve him in the arena of public accommodation because you you have um, advertised your women's shelter publicly, that it's open to the public for any woman who needs some sort of help. And so here he comes along saying that he is a woman who needs help. And so when the Equality Act becomes law, it's very probable that they can come after local churches who would say no to individuals like that. So we need to be thinking about this. And then furthermore, what about Christian schools who refuse to admit openly LGBTQA plus students or refuse to hire openly homosexual faculty members? Can they lose their tax exemption status? Could they... Uh, lose federal funding that would be used for certain academic scholarship opportunities for students, making it more difficult for them to come to your institution? Absolutely. There's an argument that would state you should not even use federal funding or such scholarship opportunities so that you can be less likely to become 
a target for such attack. But that's a whole different conversation for a, for another day. But the fact of the matter is simply this. What about the standing of a Christian school? Can they be held to the same status as another organization or another business under this idea of education or even public accommodation? Could they experience fines or could uh, administration be be uh, arrested or or held accountable for that. We need to we need to think through the implications. And then of course there's local church evangelistic ministry. What happens when my local church sends a group of people to downtown Atlanta in June to a gay pride festival to preach the gospel? And they stand there on the street corners and they preach the gospel and they hold signs and they warn of God's judgment on the sexually immoral. Now suddenly we're accused of discriminating against a class of people protected under the laws of the United States of America in areas of public accommodation on a sidewalk. That's something that we need to consider. It's, it's something that we need to think through. How will we be punished? Will we be fined? Will we be arrested? What will happen to our tax exemption status? All of this is something that we need to be thinking through. Sometime back in Massachusetts, the courts ruled that, that churches are to be held accountable to the arena of public accommodation laws. And so that means that if a church in Massachusetts has a sports ministry and they're having a basketball game and a gymnasium on the church campus, if a man who's identifying as a woman chooses to go into the women's restroom and he's stopped, then suddenly he's discriminated against. And so... It's possible now with the religious freedom that we enjoy and the certain stipulations on this law that's on the books in various different states for us to win cases against individuals who would seek litigation against a church for making a decision like that. But what happens when the Equality Act is signed into law? Now from a federal level, from a top-down approach, it's going to be much more difficult to defend yourself in your ministry, your local church, your Christian school or seminary, or your nonprofit parachurch ministry from these vicious attacks. So these are things that we need to be very clear on, and we need to be thinking about the implications of what's coming our way. And as we do, and as we think about the difficulties, as we think about the challenges that the church will face in the upcoming years in America, we need to always remember the reality that elections matter. Every vote counts. In this previous election, we saw evangelical leaders who preached and who wrote articles and who printed books that would promote options for voting for very progressive liberal candidates who held to positions that would have supported and that do actually support the Equality Act. And yet now, because of the outcome of this recent election, now we have people put into office who are going to drive the Equality Act into law. And so elections have real consequences, and this is something that we need to always remember as, as believers. And then second of all, the social justice movement has morphed a new religion. This new religion celebrates victimology and promotes ideologies that are contrary to the gospel, such as critical race theory, intersectionality, 
and and all of these ideas that flow out of a what we would consider to be a Marxist framework in many ways serve to divide us. Marxism seeks to break individuals into classes and groups and keeps humanity divided. It never serves to unify. It is the gospel of Jesus, on the other hand, that unifies us through the blood of Jesus. And so the Equality Act will codify into U.S. law the LGBTQA plus class of people, another classification, another group, more opportunity for division, more opportunity for separation. And you see, this is a massive problem, a massive problem that we are going to be forced to deal with as Christians. We're going to be forced to deal with this as believers, as individual Christian homes. You're going to need to deal with this. As local churches, you're going to need to deal with this. And what does this mean? Well, that means when we speak the truth, there will be consequences for our preaching. There will be consequences for what we print, what we publish on social media outlets. The hashtags that we choose to use, intentionally so, will be scrutinized. We need to be mindful of the reality that we're going to be held accountable for speaking truth to a dark, depraved culture. And the consequences might include financial penalties or potential uh, jail time as a result of the fact that we are unflinching in our calling to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as we think about that, we need to be prepared for the reality that it's always historically been hard to follow Jesus. It's been a difficult thing. That's why Jesus said in in Luke's gospel, chapter 9, he said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, to be a Christian means to deny self, which means that your priorities change, your commitments change, your, your passions, that, that they're refocused, your goals are realigned, and yet Christ is king. And so everything else is subservient to Christ. And so when we consider that to follow Jesus means to pick up a cross and to follow Jesus, that means to be a Christian is a, is a difficult thing. This new form of, of a third-way Christianity or this new form of a more palatable, affirming, accepting Christianity is not Christianity at all. And so we need to examine ourselves, examine our hearts, we need to remember that Jesus has called us to walk a very difficult path. In John 15, 20, we hear these words. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Well, Jesus warned of persecution. And of course, the inner circle of Jesus was viciously persecuted. James, the brother of John, was killed by a sword. Peter, church history tells us, was crucified upside down for his preaching of the gospel. John was put in a, at least the, 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 the stories throughout history that have come to us, tell us that he was put in a large basin of boiling oil. And yet, because he did not die and he survived, he was exiled to the island of Patmos. James, the, the brother of Jesus, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, was thrown down from the top of the temple some 100 feet or so and was 
literally clubbed to death outside of the city gate. Bartholomew was whipped to death with a whip in Armenia. Andrew was crucified on a cross in Greece. Thomas died in India after being stabbed with a spear. Matthias was stoned and beheaded for following Christ. And we know what happened to Paul. Paul was beheaded in the streets of Rome. And yet it was Paul himself that said in 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So to follow Jesus means to take up your cross, means to walk a difficult path. And so when we think about the Equality Act and the, the problems that we will face for following Jesus in the days to follow, we need to, to consider the cost, and we need to be willing to follow Jesus. And, and, and once again, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you as you're listening to this podcast— G3 Ministries exist for the health and the strength of local churches. And one of the saddest realities in evangelicalism today is the idea that we are entertaining children and teenagers in the name of Jesus and not preparing them to pick up a cross and die on it. And so, so many youth ministries and children's ministries are are centered around little puppets and little games and playing, you know, all these little church games and all this stuff. And there's not much about dying for Jesus that's been taught there. There's not much about the difficulties of being hated for following Jesus that's being taught to our children. We want and we must be committed to raising another generation of children and teenagers who will be unflinching when the, the hordes of hell are unleashed upon them. They will be unflinching when persecution is unleashed upon the church of Jesus Christ and when the church is legally discriminated against and punished as a result of the fact that our teaching, our gospel, the body of theology, the doctrine that we have been taught— from Jesus himself, and that's contained in the pages of the 66 books of the canon of Scripture that we have at the center of the Christian religion, when that is now in contradiction to U.S. law, and now there's friction, and we're dragged into courts, and we are financially penalized, and we're given jail sentences for following Jesus, we need our children and our teenagers to be prepared for this. So again, this is not doom and gloom podcast today, but I want to encourage you to be having these conversations with your children. I want you to be very careful about the church that you join and the the, the depth of discipleship that your family is receiving. You should take it seriously. So, As we consider the Equality Act, let us pray earnestly that God would protect us, but let us also pray that the Lord would keep us and strengthen us to be faithful and to persevere in the faith through the trials that may be looming on the horizon, and let us us be unflinching in in our commitment to be followers of Jesus Christ no matter what. 
So may God bless you. I hope that you will be encouraged as you persevere in the faith. Don't forget the ongoing resources that you can find at the G3 website, g3men.org. You can find up, uh, up-to-date articles, weekly articles from various different authors, and more information about the events that are coming your way, including the upcoming Expository Preaching Workshop with Vody Bauckham and Tom Buck there in Texas. You can find out information on the website about that and how you can register to join them for it. May God bless you. We will see you soon as we return next week on the G3 Podcast.